Good morning. Happy Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers Day. Hush. Another episode of The Rock is Hot. What's up, guys? Episode two, back to back days. We thought since the podcast just debuted yesterday, we'd go big and give you extra context. Content. Mm, pretty much. Pretty much. It's like when shows come back and they give you two or three episodes at once, which I really, really love. So we're going to do that. I just thought of that off the cuff, that comparison. But another like off the cuff comparison in honor of Miss Morales and the Big Sapper being a double album, you get a double podcast. What? I think so, right? Isn't that what they said? Like, who? Show me. No, like on I his website. To... On his website, wasn't there like two different like discs or something? And then they said it's probably a double album because of that. Um, are you talking about Oklahoma.com? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to, <laughs> to do this while we're recording, everybody. But <laughs> like Kendrick Lamar is literally my goat. I haven't been like. I mean, it's not confirmed. Hype for it. It's not okay. confirmed, but it's like speculation. Okay, yeah, double album, double episode. Um, we talked about our favorite Kendrick albums last night, and now you're making me think what my, what my favorite double albums might be. I would have to go with uh, "Forever Is a Mighty Long Time" by Big Crit. Just off the cuff, there's a million double albums, so not actually, but that's a great one. Go listen to that one. Um, <laughs> so hoops. Yeah, the yeah. rock itself. <laughs> <laughs> so we're recording right now as the heat just eliminated the sixers in a pretty embarrassing game six for the sixers mm-hmm. um the first year or i guess half year of harden and Embiid was not a success no the heat looked pretty damn amazing those are like the two short takeaways what do you think about it uh so the Heat won, the Heat of the story, the Heat are in the conference finals. You heard it all over the broadcast for the second time in three years. And like you said, they look amazing. Kyle Lowry once again didn't play. Mm-hmm. And like you, not that you don't notice it, but it's not like when the Grizzlies are missing Ja Morant and they're still amazing, like 20 and 5 in the regular season. But the Heat are just like 12 deep of the Spider-Man meme. It's, it's crazy. all the same player. Yeah. Like Max Cruz, Gabe team. Vincent, and Clay, Caleb Martin are all the same guy. Oh, yeah. I literally – I think about that every day. I can't tell you a single difference between – and this is probably telling on myself. But <laughs> <laughs> Max Cruz and Gabe Vincent are uh, like – I can't differentiate them. They were the starting backcourt of an Eastern Conference finalist tonight. And they Gabe, won. Yeah. Gabe Vincent's slightly more handily. Max Strews is slightly more wingy. They're both yeah. good shooters. Max Strews had the playoff game of his career tonight. Yeah. 20 points. What did you say? This was the Strews game and the Hubie Brown game. The Hubie Brown game? Like because of the broadcast? Yeah. I learned he's 88 years old. That's crazy. American? 88. That's nuts. No way. Yeah. And he's like, 
I mean, he looks a lot better at his job than most of the young analysts that seem like they haven't even watched basketball. He's so competent. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. I know it's like a wild compliment. You'd be like, oh, he's just competent, but like, some of these dudes suck. And when Hubie's watching or calling it, I'm like, this is a broadcast worth listening to. Yeah. This and it's one thing, knows his stuff. It's one thing when like someone knows <laughs> basketball, because you imagine someone around for so long understands the game, which he does. Mm-hmm. But he also knows the players. Like he gets the league in its yeah. current state at 88, which most guys on TV in their 40s don't get. Dude, so that's like a good point is – I couldn't imagine like being in early twenties right now. Like Luca's like my peer. He's gonna be somebody that I watch his entire career in my adulthood. Like for Hubie Brown, like sixty-five years ago, like <laughs> that's nineteen fifty-seven. Like he like remembers when Bob Pettit was coming into the league. It's like this guy could do something. Yeah. That's crazy. I can't imagine like what players are gonna make Luka Doncic look like Bob Pettit. Eighty-eight <laughs> years old. But okay, we're not here to talk about the Eighty-eighters. We're here to talk about the Seventy-sixers and the Miami Heaters, the Three Hundred Fivers. Heater crazy. They're so good. It. Jimmy Butler took twenty-nine shots. And that's probably one of the most he's ever taken in a playoff game. But he never feels like he's chucking it. Like, he took 29, and Struess took the next most at 14, which isn't even half of that. In the whole game, you're just like, wow, the Heat can beat you with anybody. Like, these guys are – like, they're so deep. They're so deep that they can't even play all their players. Yeah, Jimmy is the most ethical ho- hooper. Like, a term that Twitter spit. like recently. Spit. He can get up a bunch of shots, be the focal point of the offense, but he's never hijacking the offense. Mm-hmm. He's never foul baiting. You never are like, oh, my God, Jimmy, stop. Like, you're ruining us. Mm-hmm. He does it all in the flow. <laughs> he makes the right decisions. It looks like he can take anybody one-on-one. It's just – it's amazing to watch him. I've been saying for a while I think he's the most underrated – maybe the most underrated superstar ever. I think he's one of the best non-big defenders ever. I think he's the best non-big defender right now. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. He called, and I'm not even going to bother with comparisons. I'm not going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about Draymond, but I don't care. Jimmy, Jimmy, care. Is, Jimmy is amazing. Like you said, he has to be the most underrated superstar because people don't think he's a superstar. But yeah, but I think he definitely is. He's first ballot Hall of Fame. That's like... Yeah. Does anybody disagree with that anymore? I don't have my ear to the streets enough. No way, right? I've never heard anyone talk about it, but I don't see how he isn't. I figure we don't talk about it because we all just kind of know. Yeah. But yeah, he his performance in the 2020 finals, like missing Bam and missing Dragic, truly elite stuff. He, I wrote an article because I was amazed after his bubble performance in the finals. Like, mm-hmm. he's as good as any player in a final series to not win the championship. Yeah. His finals numbers. Go ahead. It was heroic stuff, that final yeah. series. Yeah, which is, like, you don't expect him to be a load carrier, like you're saying, because he's not a hijacker or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But he's 
just so so good yeah he's been the second best player in these playoffs to me with like a gap in front of third place and mm. i mean i'm just thinking about it the sixers had him the team Dude. that was going to beat they had jimmy butler and if they traded ben simmons earlier instead of doing it like four years later damn man mm-hmm. yeah the offseason like jimmy's always wanted to play in miami because of his relationship with Dwayne Wade and Pat Riley. And like he really got close to Dwayne Wade after the Marquette thing when they were playing together in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to – I remember Jim, Dwayne Wade's bowl season vividly. That was so much fun. Was it? <laughs> that was the year that him and Rondo were both on the team. They were up 2-0 on the Celtics in the first yeah. round. Yeah, as the like way lower seed. I don't think they were the eight, but they were like – Seven probably. Yeah. Yeah, Boston team, one of the million that went to the conference finals in Stevens era. Yeah, it's, win. it's weird how they had all those teams that randomly had so much success, but like mm-hmm. weren't that good. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're a product of a weird and weak conference. But so Jimmy always wanted to play in Miami, but like we always talk about in 2019, if Kawhi doesn't get five bounces and a roll around, then the Sixers win that series and probably. Because the Raptors could do it, and they were better than the Raptors. But after that, they decided to max out Tobias Harris instead of keeping Jimmy Butler because they wanted to keep Brett Brown. Like, Jimmy Butler said, Brett Brown or me, because they didn't like each other. And the Sixers said, well, we're going to keep Brett Brown because we can still max out Tobias Harris and then just sign and trade you. Was it possible to keep Tobias Harris if they traded Ben Simmons? Probably not. I doubt Ben Simmons' max had kicked in yet. I think that was his third or fourth season. So his salary would have been on the rookie scale. Yeah. Because I was I'm just not, thinking. I think Ben Simmons is way too good that he would. Point, so. Yeah, he was. Well, but like even, even back then, I think there were talks about his fit with Embiid. It wasn't mm. about Ben, the player, at that point, which is what it ended up being when he actually was traded. It was just yeah. like, he's not, is he the guy for this team? But yeah, but yeah, it was different because it was like, he was thought of way higher than he is now. It was like, mm-hmm. do we trade Ben or do we trade Embiid? Yeah, no, it was a question. It's like, which guy do you like, Gobert or Mitchell? Like, they yeah. didn't know the answer. It was like, and they didn't know if they had to do it. Yeah. But okay. Jimmy's amazing. The Sixers should be kicking themselves because they lost a dog. They probably could have won a title in one of these three years since then. I just tweeted that like while that game was ending, mm. I think they would have won a title if they kept Jimmy. Jimmy and Embiid, yeah. unreal duo. Yeah, totally. And they wouldn't be in cap hell with Tobias Harris. Yeah. Um, Sixers. I've got so much to say that like I don't even want to do it like i could sound off on this team and like really get angry like should we tear into them like respectfully like i'm not a tirader i'm not gonna lose my cool but absolutely pitiful out of the sixers man joel Embiid is so hurt it's not funny he didn't belong out there he was falling down like crazy and i have to figure it had to do with um cognitive shortcomings 
from breaking his face and lingering concussion symptoms. But some of these falls seemed a little bit much. Yeah, like he only got to the line four times. Like his falls weren't to yeah, get like he wasn't the foul getting... bait. He just was, yeah, just yeah, out of control the whole game. It was very weird to watch. Yeah, he played 44 minutes when he was on a much tighter minutes restriction. But obviously minutes restrictions are made up in elimination games. Mm-hmm. James Harden. Um, so Joel Embiid like, wasn't himself. He was taking shots like Ryan Anderson, just jumper after jumper, refusing to get inside. And you don't blame him when he's not healthy enough to actually be out there and he's still out there. James Harden, like he doesn't have it. I'm not going to stick a fork in his whole career, but he was nice. He had 11 points in the first half. He was like four for seven, like hit three threes. But he finished with 11 points. He only took two shots in the entire second half Mm -hmm. after having a nice first half, like I said, 11 on seven shots. No free throw attempts in the entire game when you're James freaking Harden. And that happened in another game this series where he didn't get a single free throw attempt. He, I mean, I was talking to my brother before this podcast, comparing him to Houston and being like, there's no way this guy could have fallen off a cliff that fast when he was an MVP top five player, like really, really recently. Last year. Yeah. Literally last year. Yeah. He was like the best player on the nets and for stretches. Yeah, I think I think straight up, but like that's we're not gonna compare him to KD. That's not the point. Just the Nets um, ecosystem. James mm-hmm. Harden doesn't have it. What he had in Houston was not just system, but like the player he is. He's not that. I don't think he has the physical health he had in Houston. I don't think he has the physical shape that he had in Houston. I don't think he has the mental health or stamina or vitality, whatever you want to call it that he had in Houston because he's not like lack of effort in the sense like, Oh, this guy hates winning. Like he just wants to be at home. He just, it looks like cowardice. Like he's scared to make decisions and he's anxious and he just wants his hands clean of whatever happens. You know, like he doesn't really want to be a combatant. Do you, do you see that watching Harden? Like, am I off base with why he sucks now? I get what you mean, but I want to give it until next season to say anything. To yeah. No, I don't want to cook him. I'm just talking about the player right now. Yeah, I, think, player, I think he's going to be an all-star next year. I still think he's going to be great. but The player right now is, like, not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like you were saying, it doesn't really make sense to just drop off that much in one season. I think people really are overlooking the hamstring you had last year. Yeah. Hamstrings aren't – it's not the type of thing that will keep you out like an ACL or an Achilles or an MCL. Yeah. But in a way, it's worse than those injuries because even though you can play, it just kind of lingers. Yeah. And hampers you so much. Yeah. And lasts for a long time. So, you know, you consider that. You consider he didn't really get – an off season to condition, get in shape, practice his skills because he was just rehabbing that hamstring. And then he looked better in the earlier season, but then KD went down. He had to carry that roster. So mm, it's just no like for a lot. Yeah. So it's just like I'm really skeptical that this is just who he is right now. Or 
it's who he is right now, but it's just who he is permanently. I'm skeptical of that. Yeah. And I feel pretty good about saying he'll. this is like a 2019 CP3 season, which is a comparison that's been getting thrown out a lot. I think that's pretty fair to say. I'm not- I haven't heard that, but I mean, I'll get behind that as well because it makes a lot of sense. And to your point, everything you said is right about him since then. He had to carry the Nets by himself. He was literally leading the NBA in minutes up until he was traded to Philly. Like not for a little bit, you know, not for only the parts where KD was out. Was he playing a lot? He was playing like 37 minutes a night, you know, like 25-year-old Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau type of shit out of this, like, the current player that we see that he is. And by the way, James Harden can do that. James Harden has done that. He's been under the radar the most durable athlete, like, ever for his career. Mm -hmm. Like, when you consider the load he's had on offense, the minutes he's played. It's like him, LeBron, and Jordan. Yeah, he doesn't miss games. He had made deep playoff runs every year. I mean, it was actually ridiculous how much basketball he played and how much he had to do while he was playing. Mm-hmm. But he's coming off a hamstring. Like, yeah. could not do that this year. Yeah. And what you were saying, like, he's going to have had this hamstring injury for basically a full year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he sustained it in last year's playoffs, which... Against the Bucks. Yeah. Which last year's playoffs were a little bit later than regular. Like, they played 82 games, but they started late. Yeah. So I'd venture to say 11 months ago. It was in June. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's going to be almost a full year with this same injury at least. And, I mean, now he'll have a regular length off season, a second round exits, like basically as long as he's ever had of an off season. And I hope they take it slow with him come October. And I don't want to get into like whether he gets the super max or what happens in the off season because that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. but such a disappointing season from Philly. I still think they would have won the series if Joel Embiid was healthy. But the okay. fact the fact that I think that doesn't really matter. Like, it's neither yeah. here nor there. And I don't know. I, like, just makes me sad to talk about them. Shake yeah. Milton. Shake Milton makes me happy. That's that was the saving grace to me of this game. In the zero second. exaggeration, I love Shake Milton so much. The Sixers were the top defense in the NBA for a lot of last season. So, the season where Tyrese Maxey wasn't much of a factor, you know, Ben Simmons was around. James Harden have obviously hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. They were an amazing defense, and Shake Milton was the best metric defender on the team, and he's crazy efficient on offense that season too like he was one of the best bench players in the nba to me and he was my sixth man of the year because defense matters i was <laughs> defense don't should the with six man huh don't tell the voters for six man that yeah no the points per game award it's laughable but, but you know i think I think, uh, like this year, I think Hero definitely was the sixth man of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Uncle Hero's been the best sixth man. I mean, he's on the heat conveniently, so we can gush about him if we want. 
Hero has been the best six man in a few years. Like he put up what twenty one and five assists. Yeah, twenty one five rebounds and four assists, which is yeah. nuts. Like no disrespect to Crawford and Lou Williams, but like I don't think they were doing that. I mean, obviously Manu was. I think they were kind of. I'm pretty sure Lou in like some of those later Clippers years was doing that. Lou was almost an all-star that last Clippers year. Yeah. The one super fun seed. Some reason we really remember getting eliminated by the Warriors. Yeah, because I'd like never seen Kevin Durant do any well, I've never seen anyone do anything like what Kevin Durant did to them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that was a fun team. Yeah. But that's fair. He put up 23 and 5, 20 and 5, those two Clippers years, which is cold. And then he was their leading assist man the first Kawhi and PG year because they just refused to have a point guard like the Celtics. But your point still stands. My point still stands, yeah, because Tyler Hero didn't shoot 42%. And who cares? Lou Williams, I love you. Um, Tyler Hero is amazing. Shake Milton, like, I was just saying, he plays defense. So he was my sixth man. <laughs> <laughs> like you can give me Shake Milton's amazing efficiency for like four less points per game, and he's also a hot and can work without the ball in his hands compared to Jordan Clarkson getting a couple more points. You know, being a worse passer, being an absolute target yep. on defense, like only working in certain bench units. Free Shake yeah. Milton, honestly, and Paul Reed's a stud. Uh, oh, I'm such a Paul Reed fan. That guy can play. That guy can play. He's not a backup center against a one seed in the NBA in the NBA playoffs. But he's not a center. Period. That dude can play. Shout yeah. out to DePaul Blue Demons. He was the he just started playing basketball. Um, like maybe his senior year of high school. Maybe I'm just dramatizing. I don't remember exactly. But he like barely played at all, barely got any offers um, his first year at DePaul. And then he won Big East Most Improved Player, which I found out is an award <laughs> <laughs> in um, scouting Paul Reed pre-draft. And he fell to, I think, like 55th. And I wanted the Wizards to take him at, I don't remember what pick it is now. I don't remember what picks they had in 21. I'm sorry, 20. Whatever, Paul Reed. Sanin pick? Huh? Was that the Isuf Sanin pick? Uh, maybe. Isuf <laughs> He's four years away from being six years away. Summer league god. Yeah. Um, free Shake Milton, like, for real, for real. Before the Wizards got Dinwiddie, I had Shake Milton as one of the players I wanted as starting point guard. I wanted Shake. I wanted DeJounte. I wanted Fultz. And I still want those three. <laughs> whoever else, yeah, I still want them, and I want Brogdon. I don't think Brogdon was that available, but if he was, he's my favorite player. Um. Okay, this has been kind of fun on the Sixers, which I appreciate compared to being drab. Tobias yeah. Harris still would... has two more years on his deal, which is sad. No, no, yeah. I don't think Tobias Harris attacks. I don't accept it. I love Tobias Harris. Like, when they... I was, like, the only person in the room. Like, I wasn't trying to galaxy brain it because he was overpaid. But I was like, Tobias Harris is good. And I picked him to be an all-star this year. 
my preseason predictions yeah. i didn't see anybody else do this so i did it i was like i picked all the first time all-stars i was like tobias Harris is gonna be one like he was not michael porter jr was not well, Colin Sexton was not. <laughs> he didn't play either. <laughs> I I bricked, but Darius Garland got it because Sexton got hurt. So I'm gonna cape for that one. I got Lamelo right. Got Jean Morant right. Um, but yeah, I love Tobias Harris, but I will also slander him because he does not deserve to be making like five or ten million more than Embiid. He's not a forty mil guy, and counting because the cap goes up in 2024. When he's under contract still. Yeah, that makes sense. But I still think he's been like an he's amazing. He's better than Wiggins. Type guy. Like we love Wiggins, who's also on you know, worse ma- not as bad max deal, but still a max deal, like all star starter. <laughs> I think Toby's better than Wiggins. And like people enjoy Wiggins. A lot of Wigger Wiggins um appreciators in this sport. Yeah, it's sad when people hate on a guy because of their contract, which is what's happened to Tobias. Yeah, exactly, because we can't separate an actually good player. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on the Sixers. Lay them on me. On the Embiid front. Mike. <laughs> on the Embiid front, it's kind of just like... I mean... Yeah, he's hurt, but also the looks they were getting him for the entire series were sinister. Like, he was posting up Martin from the three-point line. Yeah. that's I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's Doc. I don't know if that's the guard getting in the ball in the wrong situation. Probably all three and the injury, but something's going wrong there. Like, that's not what should be happening. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Should be taking less jumpers, but, but I also, you know, he it's a bad like nine injuries that he's fighting all at once right now. Mm-hmm. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. I just think it's stuff that has been a pretty consistent thing with him, and not just in this series with the injuries. I agree, and what's sad is. Um, I heard a lot of people caping for the James Harden deal. Like, you have to trade Ben Simmons. You can't wait to the summer. is because you can't waste the healthiest Embiid has ever been. Yes. And I fully agree with that. And it sucks that we got this fully healthy Embiid year. Like, he's an MVP. Um, not the MVP, and You guys know what I mean. And then a freak injury happens. Like, it's not like something acted up that had just been luckily in the background. Like he breaks his face and gets a brutal concussion. And that's how this season has to end. Because, like I said, if he's fully healthy, maybe they win one of the first two in Miami and or this one. Like it doesn't have to be all three, but they get one of those and we're going to a game seven. And if they get two of those, then they clinched tonight. And I'm not gonna play the what if game, but it hurts that this happened. Like their season sucked it's sad i picked them to win the finals and i like truly believed it when they were healthy yeah it was a sad season so on to the heat for a little uh yeah. and then we'll take a break the happy heat they look to me like they're going to the finals but i also think 
any of the three teams left in the East could go and even win the finals. So it's not saying much, but I would choose the Heat right now. Yeah. Especially if Lowry's coming back. Oladipo looks – I mean, he didn't play that much today, but he looks great. Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler's, you know, we already went over him. He's the best. Uh, It's a team. They just – and shout out to Spolstra because we talk oh, about how much in the league. Yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. invariably. I don't think it's a conversation. Yeah. It's we talk about how deep they are, like I say, where they can't even play all their guys. Like Caleb Martin played six minutes and Duncan Robinson played three. And they could, if they needed to, played a lot more. But he pushes all the right buttons all the time. For no reason, Tyler Hero played 16, Oladipo played 19. It's like they punched the Max Struce button to the tune of 40 minutes. Why is Max Struce playing 40 minutes? Because Eric Spolstra knew that he could, pretty much. And he had the best playoff game of his career. Like, Eric Spolstra read the room, read the matchups, like, rode the hot hand, and never really gets that part wrong. His hero was nice. And he just didn't play. Same with Oladipo. Like, those guys played 16 and 19, like I said, compared to 40 and 28 for Gabe Vincent, who's the one that got the start. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I think part of it is that the reason why their depth looks so good Mm-hmm. has a lot to do with Spolstra. Like, yeah. coming into the season, the criticism of the Heat was that they had the worst depth in the league. That's why yeah. I didn't have them that high. Because, yeah, you were looking at the bench, you were like, who's Omar Yurt 7? Who's Gabe Vincent? Who's Max yeah. Schultz? Like, P.J. Tucker, at however old, is really... I think he's 37? Yeah, 37. Yeah, he was, 30, yeah, he was 35 in the bubble, so he's 37 now. Yeah. And he's still 6'5". He's not hitting a growth spurt. They were like, 37-year-old P.J. Tucker, that's your fifth starter? Yeah. But Spolstra did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and P.J. stayed healthy, played 39 tonight. Yeah, and all those guys where we were like, who are they? Now Look we know. Amazing. Yeah, and now yeah. we know. <laughs> like, I mean, like, you hit it on the head, man. Like, Max Struess, we were like, oh, they're fucked. Like Gabe Vincent, like these guys cannot be your guards and forwards coming off the bench for all NBA, Jimmy Butler, all-star Lowry, like inevitably six-man hero. And they have no backup center. Yeah. (laughs) Dwayne Dedman played 12 tonight. Yeah. So this – And they don't have small ball five. Like they don't have Jay Crowder anymore. Their it's small ball five is is like Jimmy Butler and PJ Tucker, yeah. Who like it's Jimmy Butler or like PJ's six five. Jimmy Butler legitimately plays one through five on this team. Yeah, both sides of the ball. Yeah, I yeah. can't get over how good he is. Guards, guards, and centers, and then on offense, he handles the ball, but he's also like posting up guys. He does. Every single thing on both ends of the court. Yeah, he gets to the rack. He shoots jumpers off the dribble. He's like an elite wing passer. There's really... He can pass from anywhere on the floor, like you're saying, at center or at point guard. Yeah, people might say we're gassing him up too much, but I can't think of a player in the league that's been like Jimmy Butler. Seriously. He's... All right, I'm going to stop getting crazy. (laughs) I'm not gonna say it, but he's as good at like he's probably the best two way player right now besides Giannis, who isn't fair. Yeah, like he's the best two way wing. Yeah, and that's crazy. I see. I see why Kawhi wanted him over Paul George. 
I have I've kind of always had Jimmy Butler over Paul George. I do too. And he's showing it. Anyways. <laughs> like I could do a Jimmy Butler pod and maybe in the dog days of the offseason we do. Yeah, I think we have to because because <laughs> his story is so interesting too. He was, I mean, just for a bite of it, he was homeless in Texas. He had to like ask this McDonald's if he could use their fax machine to send Marquette University's letter of intent. Yeah. Like from the ground up, Jimmy is I got a lot of Jimmy Butler love. And like he can't get enough of it on court just for the player that he is. So the Heat belong here. If they're favorites in the conference finals, they probably deserve to be. Yeah. All season of the other two teams that they would play, like you're right that they're right to pick. Yeah, like all season, they were the one seed. The whole mm-hmm. thing is that they're the least discussed one seed of all time. Right. Why is no one talking about them? Some people are saying they're not real like contenders, whatever. They are. Yeah. And they did. It. I mean, this is the most like Miami Heat season of all time. <laughs> yeah. And the most Miami Heat team of all time. Yeah. Like, we worry about things changing. The Heat have only become more Heat. Yeah. It's, to me, this is the Jimmy Butler postseason. Put Pat Riley in the Hall of Fame like three different times. Every which, every which way, man. He's just... <laughs> For real. He wins like Al Davis. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a break. Okay. And then we'll talk Suns Mavs? Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Phoenix versus Dallas has ended. Dallas blew them out to force a game seven, our first game seven of the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Hush, what, what are your immediate reactions to that game you just watched? Well, not many in the sense that you can't take away shit from a blowout. And I guess that's good. I mean, the Mavs <laughs> love that it's a blowout, obviously. Like, it's a great thing to be on the winning side of, but... I don't know how much they learned either. Like Reggie Bullock's not going to play 40 minutes, drain five threes and be like the second leading scorer again. He's not going to score as many points as Devin Booker Mm -hmm. next game. And you can't take much away from shooting variants. Same with Spencer Dinwiddie, like five of seven, all of his shots were threes. That's not going to happen. His 15 is not going to outscore Chris Paul's 13 again. You know, they're not going to get 16 steals. The turnovers were atrocious for the Suns. Yeah. 22 total, eight for Booker, five for Paul. Um, those guys both were fouling. Five for Paul, five for Crowder, four for Booker. There's really nothing to like from the Suns' perspective. <laughs> but, like, when you lose a game in game six and nobody got hurt, it's not a ton to take away. They didn't suddenly play Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges off the floor. Now they're scrambling for Ish Wainwright minutes. And yeah. That's really, really nice. Um, yeah, I think campaign sucks. He only came in for mop-up duty. He's been basically out of the rotation, which is kind of nice. I doubt they're going to turn to Aaron Holiday in a game seven after not playing the whole series, but it's a game seven. He hasn't played the whole series. Anything could happen. They really, really lack much 
on a Chris Paul bad game offensively because yeah. Devin Booker is a great focal point, but he had eight turnovers. And so if Chris Paul's bad, there's a lot on Booker. And so Booker can't just be good. Which, and he wasn't even very good today. Yeah, like Booker has to be better than good for a bad Chris Paul game to have a chance. And today and, he was worse than good. And yeah. today he was a lot worse than good. Yeah, eight turnovers, playoff career high. Um, It's funny because the Suns, like the deep team, like they beat you so many different ways. Great team. Like it's a bad, bad Paul game and a non-world beating game from Booker, they have nothing else. Despite all yeah. that shit, like I said, campaign played four minutes because he's just not the move. Yeah. This... So that hole we already knew about, but it like got tuned up to the turn to the tune of a twenty-seven point loss. Mm-hmm. The Suns are interesting because you no, know, there there's all this talk about they beat you in so many ways, like the future of the NBA is these wings who can do it all on offense, and the Suns have that. But really, I don't think that fits them that well. What they have is Agreed. a system that involves everyone and utilizes everyone in their best role. But when you look at where the offense comes from, it all starts from the two guards. So, like, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson – they can all impact the game in a big way at different times. But it's not like, oh, Chris Paul's not doing it. We'll give the ball to them to go. Yeah. To go like. None of those some. guys are even secondary ball handlers. Exactly. It's like Chris Paul or Devin Booker will get something started. The ball will find its way to one of those guys. And then something will go from there. But it's all predicated on Chris Paul and Devin Booker in the first place. So if they're struggling. This offense isn't going anywhere except for like DeAndre Aiden post ups, which yeah. is good, but you know, yeah, you're Aiden in the playoff game with that as your main uh tool. Aiden was the only bright spot, and it continues to be that way. I mean, he just is something the Mavs lead. have, yeah, no answer for 10 of 16 tonight, 21 and 11. He left a couple points on the board of free throw line, which doesn't matter. He's a fine free throw shooter, though. So, like, one for four doesn't mean jack. But, like you said, the ball handling thing is a huge issue. But for one game and for 64 out of 82 games, just fine. Mm -hmm. It scares me. I don't think campaign sucks, actually. I'll never say that about a player. But he hasn't been at all playoffs. I've never seen the vision. And it's going to have to be him or Aaron Holiday or the Mavs can do this again. Because like I said about Reggie Bullock and Spencer Dinwiddie, those aren't going to happen again. But the Mavs didn't win it because might. of that. Yeah, it might. But the, the Mavs Phoenix... didn't win because of that. The Mavs won because Phoenix scored 86 points. Yeah, it's scary because like your Phoenix, it's one game left. So you can say... Oh, like Dinwiddie won't do that consistently. Bullock won't do that consistently. It doesn't have to be consistent. It just yeah. needs to happen one more time. Bertans could go five for eight and your season ends. Exactly. Like, <laughs> which is <laughs> that's the fragility of the playoffs, man. That's why you play all season for home court so that it doesn't have to get to this point. Or if it does, you have better luck. Yeah. And that's why it's disappointing the Suns let it get to here. Yeah. In the first place. Like, 
there have been so many times because I feel like this whole season or not season series they've kind of underperformed how good they are and even last series but then they've just won because it's like they just are a better team even if they're not playing up to it they are and it just like shines through at times so like they'll be even at halftime it looks like they're playing bad and then they go on a 17-0 run to open the second half in game five and it's a 3-2 lead Yeah, no, they did that. They just straight up outclassed the, like you said, they just we're bettered the Mavs like crazy through the first two games. And everyone was like, oh, it's over. But then you realize that's just what was supposed to happen. The one seed won two games at home, like it's supposed to happen. The Dallas took care of business. It was two to two. And we've seen a home team take it again. No road team has won yet. And I don't know, man. The Mavs are not as good as the Suns, but that doesn't mean they can't win the series. Exactly, because it's one game. It's one game now, and this was the opportunity for the Suns. I know they're the one seed, and they have home court, and they should be favored to win, but it's one game, like you keep saying, and the Mavs have the higher shooting upside and the best player in the game. That's the biggest thing. They have the best player by a lot, and – I'm really getting to a point with Luca. I've kind of had this thought in the back of my mind for like two years now, or at least a year. But it's really getting to a point where it's like, if someone told me they think Luca's the best player in the world, I won't argue with them at all. Yeah, it's hard to, especially come April and May. Yeah, it's just like, there's a good chance in any series he plays he's the best player and in this series he's he's really like multiple levels above the next best players like chris paul and devin booker at this point Mm -hmm. and then i mean in the next series if they advance with the way curry's been playing luke is the best player in that series so the mavs have that and honestly it I know this is kind of crazy to say, but I really could see them winning it all. Like, the only team I can see not winning it all at this point is Memphis. Dallas like is you still say, the Mavs? Yeah. I, they're still unlikely to, but, like, I think it's a real possibility. Agreed. The Warriors look very, very fragile. The Warriors look a lot more fragile than they are. But Luka could be the best player in any series. Like you're saying, like I'm not gonna say he's better than Giannis, but he could be the best player in a series where Giannis also plays. Yeah. Unlikely but conceivable. And I probably wouldn't say that about any other player. I don't even know how unlikely it is. I would say I, I, I would won't say go it's there like yet. 50-50. I would say coming into that series, I would give it a fifty fifty on who's gonna play better. Fifty fifty I don't know about that. Like in a vacuum. I guess is slightly more likely, but in a series where Luca has to go against the Bucks and Giannis has to go against the Mavs, like the Slovenian, I don't see it. I don't think the Mavs. I don't think the Mavs match up bad with Luca. With the Bucks in general. I'm sorry. With um, with Giannis. With the Bucks in general. Yeah, but like the Celtics match up really well with Giannis and. Like he's dropping yeah. everything on their head. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, I think I also think the the Bucks defense is okay. not suited for Luca. Oh, I totally agree. But 
I just realized what we're doing. Let's rope it in a little bit from the Mavs <laughs> box finals. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> Let's look at game seven. Wait, wait. I want to look at one more thing first okay. before we can bring it back to reality. There has been a Mavs Heat finals every or once in each of the past two decades. I don't know. Right, be a little early. But it's all <laughs> it's also late overall. They were five years in between and this would be eleven. Yeah. But hey, five plus six is eleven. Right? <laughs> and eleven plus eleven is twenty two. And the not first one is two thousand six. Yep. There's not nothing to look at there. Could be something. But so Luca facing elimination in his playoff career. This was the third elimination game of his career. 38, 9, and 9 in the first one. 46, 7, and 14 in the second one. And tonight, 33, 11, and 8 with four steals. He had one turnover tonight. Yeah. It's pretty good. I don't know how many players ever I'm saying, like, for an entire quarter, I'm going to give you the ball and trust you to get a good shot for either you or your teammate. It's like I have to choose a player for that. I don't know how many I'm choosing over Luca. His decision-making is unbelievable. Like, it doesn't just belie his age. It belies all, but like you're saying, it belies all four or five players to ever touch a basketball. Yep. He's, I don't know, I'm not going to get into Mountain Rushmore comparisons right now, but I totally echo that sentiment. He's special. And it's not just the... The ability to see the see the decisions, it's the execution too. Like, how many guys have his, uh, his finishing like package, his mid range package, his, like the ability to make the passes that he sees. His patience, he's some outlandish yeah. shit. Yeah, and, one. Go ahead. Like something I've seen him do a lot. He has he didn't do it like today, but just in general, he has this like. Like this move where he like go into his shooting form, and then pass backwards out of it, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's one thing to see that pass behind you. It's one thing to pass backwards out of a shot like shooting form. He can do both, and it's just like very few people have that combination of vision. Like the brain and the the physicals. Yeah. Yeah, the ability to execute. One thing with Luka turnovers is so often they're not like the typical bad ones. Like you're saying about his cognition is he never sees a lane that wasn't actually there and he gets closed on. He's like a quarterback that doesn't throw interceptions. You know, he knows where all the guys are. He knows when his guy's going to be open and where. And, like, his turnovers aren't good turnovers, but when Luca turnovers um, stockpile and avalanche, they're different, if that makes sense. He's, he lets himself get frustrated, and he lets things snowball. Silly mistakes, but his passing is so pure. I say yeah. um, all the time about Jean Morant, Watching him finish and attack the basket, 
is a clinic of wow just because you saw him do, do that does not mean you can try it like nobody should be trying those things that we see them do regularly and mm-hmm. for luca that's just the way he plays point guard is exactly like that yeah like you could have 10 times the physical tools that he does you know and better handles his handles underrated or whatever else but he can't do what he does even though he does it like he's irreplicable and that's crazy to say about a kid who's 23 years and 74 days old (laughs) i mean he was an mvp caliber player in his second season at like yeah 20 years old or 21 one or the other but so game seven back in phoenix luke is going to be the best player on the floor but the suns have the next three best players maybe even four who who you have over jalen um, maybe. Jalen hasn't looked That's fair. spectacular. I mean, I, I think just, it could go either way. I just really, really ride for offense. Yeah, it's more yeah. likely that Jalen has a bad game than Mikel does. Yeah. But so that doesn't look great. To, well, again, <laughs> to have like one and five or six of the top best six, and the Suns have four, and all four yeah. of the Suns players are nice on defense. They're just a better team. Yeah, which is why it's, it's a little like, man, what are you doing that you got to this point? Like for everything we said about how good Luca is, they should have closed this out today. They probably shouldn't have even let it get to two two. Yeah, no, they were a shit show. The turnovers, the Mavs got to the line thirty six times. This is, I mean, when it's eighty six points, you don't discredit the Mavs, but the Suns were just awful this game. They're not going to be this awful again. Yeah, but it's one game. <laughs> it's one game. And that's then, all I can. That's all I can say is it's one game. Davis Bertans, like I said, he can ruin <laughs> your season in a night. But on the other hand, we should be fair. In one game, how many players are you choosing over Chris Paul? Not yeah, many. He's, he's not. I wonder what his game seven record is, and I don't hold it against him, whatever it is, because of his clutch time, um, impermeability absolutely invincible yeah but yeah it's if it's close in five minutes like chris paul's gonna bring you home yeah like, they should start calling him the cab driver man <laughs> i think a tied game with five minutes left which devolves into chris paul and devin booker heroics versus luca heroics to close out a game seven would be the best thing for basketball ever. Oh yeah. <laughs> because Luca's going to have shot makers. And if it's not a bad Jalen Brunson game, he's going to have somebody else who can dribble it. And what's interesting about the Mavs is we don't know their closing five. We know for a fact, unless somebody's injured or fouled out that we're saying Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, Aiden, the Mavs could run with their starters Luca Brunson, Bullock, DFS, Powell. But Powell could be in for Kleba. You know, Dinwiddie could be in for Brunson or Dinwiddie could be the third guard. Like I said, Bertans could be ending anybody's season. Yeah. Like they all 12 had in tonight. We were saying about we saw all 24 guys in the Grizzlies Warriors blowout last night. We only saw 21 tonight. 
But the Mavs got all 12 in. Yeah, only 21. I think something that really deserves to be mentioned is Frank Tilakina is playing in the playoffs. 21 minutes. That has to be his playoff career high. What? Where did this come from? Hey, what do you have? Was he even playing in – was he even in the rotation until, like, now? Um, Like, during the season, or you mean the past couple games? Yeah, like, before the past couple games. Probably not. Like, he was a player a couple months ago – not even a couple months ago, maybe four weeks ago – that I forgot was on the Mavs. Exactly. No, I forgot hey, he was on the Mavs until he was just, like, in the game a couple days ago. Yeah, no, he didn't play at all in the Utah series. Two minutes, four minutes, 12 minutes, eight minutes, 13 tonight. Yeah, where did that <laughs> – Oh, I'm sorry, 13 last game, 21 tonight. Yeah, so that's he – has... Here a... are some lines for um, Frank. In three of the games, out of six, he's had zero points. In, <laughs> in the other three games, he had three points each. So that's the thing. That's that's when you look at the Suns and you say, "What are you guys doing? You should have worked." I don't know, dude. Like he showed up. He was a plus nine off the bench. No, no shade to Frank, but it's just like they're playing someone that just wasn't in their rotation for the season. Yeah. Yeah, no, and he was behind guys like Sterling Brown and Josh Green, who were guys 9 and 10 in the rotation, and maybe behind Trey Burke and Marquise Chris. Yeah. It's so. wild, but yeah. Frankie Clamps, he came out tonight, four steals, a block, and he used four of the five fouls that he's allowed to use. Home with you. <laughs> I don't know if they have ever called him Frankie Clamps. But it fit, and that's what he was tonight. And he was giving the best guard duo. Are they the best guard duo? They have to be if they won 64 games. Uh, they're, better, right. they're probably better than Levine and DeRozan. Probably better than the Warriors at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of them's. I don't know. That doesn't matter because I don't think we can really call Stefan Poole a backcourt. If that makes sense. But yeah, Frankie Clamps <laughs> made him turn it over 13 times. And they fouled nine times. I'm sure as hell that it was not on his offense, though. <laughs> but he's yeah. a nightmare. That's another thing. Like, Davis Bertans, I'll keep saying it, he can end your season with a few shots. Frankie Clamps can get you in trouble early, and that's it. Yeah, that's game seven. Yeah, he should go Pat Bev, man. That's one of my favorite tactics is fat Pat Bev trying to get himself tossed so that he can get a better player on another team also tossed. <laughs> like, who did they play the Clippers last playoffs? The Mavs? Like, he would try to get into a fight with Luka and get himself tossed in the process of getting Luka tossed or try to get them both double teed twice. Like... Frank Nilakina is not the type of guy mentally that Pat Bev is, but go and do that, man. Like, go get Devin Booker to lose his season because he lost his head for two seconds. Yeah. And I'm so excited. I love game sevens. I'm so excited for this one. 
I can't wait, but at the same time, like I'm not a Suns fan, but I'm gonna be on the edge of my seat. Like, this is Chris Paul's chance. This, oh, I just realized this is the definition of a legacy game, because it's like, yeah, he's older, but at the same time, this is it. If you lose this game, yeah, there's no championship. Coming. There's nothing but a cliff ahead of you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna be calling him Cliff Paul forever if they lose this game. <laughs> I love, I love those commercials, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was that was elite. <laughs> Seven days a week, man. Um, but yeah, I'm rooting for the Mavs. Impartial Mavs win. I'll say it that way. I would be with me. Sorry. This would be, oh, Chris wow. Paul. Yeah, Chris Paul really deserves one. I think besides Harden, and if you like him better than Harden, I don't mind. He's the best player without a ring. I think it's them too. Um, I don't want to disrespect Charles Barkley. I've got Harden over Barkley. I don't know where I fall on all three. It doesn't matter. But he deserves it really, really bad. For yeah. sure. But this game, and I thought about this comp just now, I've been doing a lot, like a lot, a lot of early 2000s Detroit Pistons work in the past couple days, not. you know, as one does. And <laughs> this would be Luka Doncic, um, LeBron James Conference yeah. Finals 2007 against the Pistons. Like, what did LeBron have? 25 points in a row, 26 out of 30 to end the game. And into overtime, like fourth quarter overtime. I can so see Luca doing that. I could see Luca like knocking off the one seed, you know, the reigning conference champ, the 64 win, seventh best record ever. Through yeah. injury. Yeah. Luca just saying, I'm sorry, I'm the best player in the series and the best player in the world. Not be outlandish. Yeah. This is this is that game to me. I mean, obviously the Pistons didn't have a Chris Paul, but I, and I the think... Suns aren't old heads the way the Pistons were. You know, the Pistons had Pistons had made the finals twice and made four Eastern Conference finals. Five. Yeah, I definitely that was their fifth one. That Chauncey Billups is at least on par with this Chris Paul in terms of ability. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was peak Billups. Yeah. Honestly, and he was amazing. Like I said, a lot of Pistons work. I'll talk my talk anybody's ear off about Chauncey Billups. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Billups guy. I'm the biggest Rip Hamilton guy. I think I know. <laughs> y'all will y'all will hear about that very very soon. <laughs> but yes, dude, LeBron versus the Pistons, Luca versus the Suns. You know it's real when you say one's team and the other's single player. Yeah, well, the that's... single player won last time. Yeah. I mean, we'll uh, see. Yeah. What else do you want to touch on, if any, in this series? Um, I think that's all for me on the series, but there's something, if you're done with this series, one small thing before we wrap up the basketball talk mm -hmm. that I should have gotten to in the last segment, but forgot. What's that? Do you have anything else on this series first? Nope. Okay. Doc Rivers to the Lakers? No. Is happening. No. No, it's happening. I don't even want to. <laughs> There's nothing, and I mean this, 
with 100% sincerity, there's nothing I want more than that. Not I don't one. want it at all. I <laughs> I'm getting giddy thinking about this. Doc Rivers coaching. Do the you Lakers. just hate LeBron? You live in Los Angeles, man. You don't want this. I want this so badly. I can't explain how much I want this. There are no words to describe what that dynamic will be like. Yeah, no, it's. It'd be fun if this um, was like 2008. No, no. Rivers, the Lakers. LeBron's got almost no seasons left. I want him to win. Russ, I mean, it'll be peak comedy. Dude, I don't need comedy. I need chips. No, no. LeBron's been chasing a ghost for like eight years, man. I mean, his whole career, but there's nobody left for him to chase. He just needs chips. But like, there's a a possibility it clicks. Which I'm not opposed to. It's not that I, I guess, want to see them... dude. I mean, Doc's not a bad coach. It's not that I want to see them fail. I just need to see the all of it. I... See, I, I want to see that for everything it would entail. <laughs> the good parts, the bad parts, the press... Co- oh my god, the press conferences. <laughs> dude, the turmoil of every Lakers season, man. I don't need that raspy voice. I don't need, like... Russ having a 13 turnover game, but he also had 17 rebounds, and they choked a 19-point lead to the Thunder again while SGA was resting. I don't need all of that to happen. And then to hear Doc's, like, raspy ass just ate 10 Duracell batteries and smoked a pack of cigarettes voice in the press Much longer. I don't. I don't want to hear every Lakers coach. I don't want Doc Rivers' brand to be in the media every single day on my feed. They have good coaches to interview. And, like, look at – we're talking about a team that didn't even make the playoffs right now because this – This is the Lakers. The what? The talent pool for coaches is unbelievable. It's never been deeper. Like, go get Kenny Atkinson. Go get – Anybody go get Charles Darvin. Lee, go get Darvin Ham, go get anybody on the Bucks bench, go get What's anybody Alex... from the Spurs bench. I think his name's like Alex Jenkins, Alex something, who's like, I think he's a Celtics assistant and he mm-hmm. was like Spurs assistant. He's like some young guy. Apparently, he's supposedly like the next great thing. There's so many amazing guys, yeah, but that's all the more reason why this needs to happen. No, yeah, I mean, if the Rockets, no, we won't even get into Silas or a million other coaches. There's some, like, imagine if Rick Carlisle waited one year, then the Lakers job opened up. Would Rick Carlisle even coach LeBron? I don't (laughs) even know if he would leave any, I don't know if he would have stayed in Dallas forever unless the Indiana-specific job opened up. No, no, no. Imagine them with a coach's good. No, that's not not why he left. Wasn't there, like... Oh, yeah, all the... A disagreement with him and Haralabob and, like, Cuban. Their, their front office situation was a total mess. Yeah, Donnie Nelson. Yeah. The whole gang. Anyway. Shit show. But, yeah, if One Doc goes <laughs> – shout out to this tweet. I didn't write this. If Doc goes from ruining the Sixers to ruining the Lakers, he really might end up being the greatest Celtics coach ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and think out. about it. He will have coached he really the Clippers. Would be. 
The Clippers, the Lakers, the Sixers, the Celtics. Coach of the year on the Magic. Yeah, like, but the only the gamut. Like, he's only missing like the Bulls and the Heat. Yeah. Yeah, and the Spurs like, have only had one coach ever, so it's not his fault. Yeah. Dude, how about how eternal Greg Popovich is? He had been coaching for like five to ten years before Doc even ever started. And Doc's <laughs> <laughs> done the Dynasty Hall of Fame history tour of head coaching jobs. Did you see Doc's uh, quote today after the game? Uh, no, I saw Harden. I saw James Harden saying about taking less than a max that he'll do whatever it takes to oh. help this team grow. That's basically verbatim what he said. I didn't see that, but that's actually really big because Dude. I was talking about it. I can't yeah. imagine offering him a max off this, but then it's also like, how are you not going to offer James Harden a max? At this point, I wonder if he opts in. Yeah. I don't know that he would. I would take the security. Like Chris Paul? Chris Paul got, what, 3-120 in the offseason? And he opted out of, like, 50, I think. Chris Paul's opt-out last offseason is the most money a player's ever opted out of. Like, it's the biggest denied player option in NBA history. That makes sense. And, like, I don't think that James Harden would take the option because he's a similar age. I think he would take, you know, the four, whatever. Yeah. Can you give somebody five years? I'm sorry. Do you know this off the top of your head? Otherwise, we'll stop. Can you give somebody five years if it's not the Supermax? I if you have, can only offer five as the incumbent team, but does that have to be the Supermax? I am not really a salary guy. Okay. I don't know either. I wonder if it'd be a four plus one. Anyways, look at the Lakers. Look at the Beast. Like I said, they missed the yeah. playoffs, and we're talking about them for 10 minutes. <laughs> Last thing we'll wrap up on. So the Doc Rivers quote. Oh, right. Duh. I'm sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I mean, I can look it up like word for word, but the point he was trying to get across was something along the lines of, look at this team. <laughs> I can't say this without laughing. <laughs> look at this team before I got here. They weren't expected to do anything. <laughs> He's right, though. No, he's not. Yes, he is, dude. We were picking Philly as like a bottom half slash play-in team because I they didn't have Simmons. That at all. I don't remember that at all. But they were basically last year's team, except without their second best player. Okay, like, well, Tyrese Maxey was eight points per game last year, and that's yeah, why I picked Tobias I, Harris. To last be- season, they were. The last season, they were supposed to go. Yeah, last season they, they were mid, and then they lost no, Ben Simmons. Supposed, but they were supposed to oh, like yeah. defenders. The yeah. idea that they were, <laughs> they weren't supposed to be going anywhere before he got there is ridiculous. The whole reason they got him is because they were supposed to be going somewhere. He's but a he, play finisher. Yeah, he's not a developmental coach. Yeah, I mean, 2018, so, like, even back then, it was like the first real year of Embiid and Simmons. Some like TV personalities picked them to go to the finals. Yeah, 2019. We were just talking about like in the last segment, they it, there was all this talk about you know, if Kawhi doesn't get that bounce, do the Sixers win that? Yeah, and then 2020, Al Horford's supposed to put them over the top. Yeah, that that fell apart. But the point is, this was like, yeah, there was reasons to buy every year. Player. Yeah, there's like a top five player in his prime, 
the idea that <laughs> this team wasn't supposed to be anything. That's <laughs> like I don't know. I kind of think they overperformed. Mm-hmm. Like they were a top seed with just like Maxi running the show, and everyone was like, "Wow, how are they doing?" Oh man? yeah, I get that. There's no yeah. way they're gonna be this good all year long. And like that, that was a testament to Doc for sure. No, I understand that. And again, I'm not trying to shit on Doc. I like Doc. I think it's just like funny his whole yeah. thing. But it's like this season specifically, yeah, they were playing above what you probably should have expected, considering they were missing their second or third best player. Mm-hmm. And then in the playoffs, they had Harden, but his injury, Embiid's injuries, etc. But just the idea generally that this team was not supposed to be like a contender. Yeah, that's only preseason. That's only in August. Yeah, like that's that's out there. Like I picked them to win the title. I said this in exactly. that segment, and they could have if they were fully healthy. I would have had them over the Heat. I didn't change my pick because I if, don't change my picks. If they were fully healthy in terms of like Harden too, yeah, I'd pick them for sure. Yeah, yeah like no definitely. Doubt. I like them against the West teams that would have come out. Yeah. Uh, all right, you ready to get to the fun stuff? Yep. All right, two-second break, and then we'll be right there. Okay, so now that we've got all of the actual basketball podcast stuff out of the way, it's time for our random section, which we had yesterday talking about the Kendrick albums. And we've decided 10 seconds ago that the new name for this segment (laughs) will be The Thoughts Are Hot, because one of us will come up with a question and then we'll both have to give our thoughts on it. Yeah. So, Hush, my question for you today, sticking to the music theme, because it is an hour and two minutes away from when we're expecting Miss Morales and the Big Steppers to come out. Mm. Not Kendrick related necessarily, but... All right, and real quick, I had to say, America, I have no, no idea what the questions are. We don't collaborate. It could be anything. I'm totally about to get blindsided right now. So I'm shivering. They yeah, had to make that transparency have... clear. Yeah, and you might have to think about this one for a second. All so right, Get ready, America. If you could choose one artist to have a feature on an already existing song, not like a cover, but just they would have had their own part on a song that already was made, who would you choose on what song? Basically, like adverse. Yeah. Um. Or like it doesn't dude, have to be rap. It can be anything. But rap okay, is okay. Well, that's even crazier. Yeah. Just like I put Robert Plant on like ultralight beam. Maybe that's my answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just playing the parameters game, but yeah. Um. I gotta get my money's worth out of it. When you were thinking of this question, did you have an answer? Yeah, I only thought of this question because when I was listening, re-listening to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, there Mm. were two songs that came to mind and two specific artists. And actually, it's really fitting who those two artists are considering the name of this podcast and the album that's coming out tonight. So I guess okay. I'll just go ahead and say mine. Yeah, your answer is that you wanted Lil Wayne on what song would make sense? I don't know. You wanted Lil Wayne on what? I think 
Lil Wayne would have murdered on Monster. Oh yeah. Like oh I you kind of, we were talking about this the other day. Were we? I was tweeting about how I wanted Lil Wayne on oh, the Money yeah. Longer beat because yeah. that is mixtape Wayne right there. Yeah, I've had this thought in my head. This was back in December. So I've been thinking about this for a long time. I think he would have murdered Monster. And I think Kendrick on Devil in a New Dress would would have been ethereal. Well put, dude. That song's a fucking soundscape. Yeah. Um, his voice, his delivery over that beat. Oh, my God. So my favorite rapper is Isaiah Rashad. And I think perhaps the greatest posse cut of all time is Say What's Up by Black Hippie. Technically a J-Rock song featuring Schoolboy Q, Absol, and Kendrick. So naturally, that's where my mind goes first. But I don't know if I want to ruin a perfect song. Mm-hmm. But then there's songs like One Train or Pinata, you know, like these seven rapper songs. Yeah. Or um, any Spillage Village song, these Beast Coast songs with a million guys where it's like, if I just throw one more person on that, is it really doing enough? Yeah. Like how much are you adding? Okay. So your answer is Wayne on devil in a new dress. No, no, no. Wayne on monster. I'm sorry. Wayne on monster. Kendrick on devil. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we give me music here. Give give me Kendrick Lamar on break. I yeah, I was just gonna say I don't know that song. That is oxymoron. Is at one point was my favorite like piece of art ever. Like that album is ridiculous to me, every single Mm -hmm. way. Break the banks like the best song on that album, and on the last verse, Q starts it off by saying. Kendrick moved from the throne. I came for it because it's his first album after Good Kid, Mad City, and just mm-hmm. off. Well, if y'all don't know that beat, Kendrick would do fourteen. Kendrick especially doing some nasty things. Yeah, I think I feel really, really good about that answer. Honestly, runner up maybe Kendrick and Gangsta the opening to oxymoron, but. Yeah, can oh, see now I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I now I now I'm desirous. You know, these songs like always we existed. Yeah, I yeah. feel like we were robbed of like my two choices, especially because Kendrick wasn't as big at the time that uh, Twisted Fantasy came out. So I get it, but Lil Wayne on Monster is like such an obvious thing that should have happened to me like he was already one of the most famous rappers of all time that album had features from everyone yeah except him and i guess drake and it's like well i mean drake was technically on all the lights all the lights remixes nuts yeah Yeah, i've never heard a remix no i've never heard heard a remix no but i know it's a great verse Drake's got some. Drake in that era has a ton of like remixes, extended versions, and things like that. I didn't know that, but he has, I think, one sentence in the original "All of the Lights." Yeah, there's a part too where he harmonizes, um, just like the chorus. It's got like Rihanna, it's got Elton John, I think Paul McCartney, Alicia Keys, 
Yeah, they're all new. They're all they're all in the yeah. original is that Paul McCartney, I think. Is it not okay? It's not Paul McCartney, but it's a million people like that. I know yeah. Paul McCartney's on only one, the other Kanye song. Yeah. And I think he's on four, five, six seconds. Yeah, with yeah. I think he's only playing guitar there though. Okay. What's the Drake sentence that you're talking about? I don't even know, but I'm like I'm pretty if you look in the credits, I think he's there. Yeah. For literally oh, like... Cuddy. Cuddy's another one. What, yeah. He's in those harmonies that I'm talking about. Oh, oh, oh. Like, yeah, the writing credits and the um like additional support on that song is yeah, legitimately like El- unparalleled. Elton John is there, Drake is there, Alicia Keys is there, Rihanna, Fergie. Fergie. But and it's almost like you look at that and you're like, well, how does that work? Like that's not good. But it kind of, it worked perfectly. I mean, yeah, you've got a top three producer of all time. I think he's number one. I think he's that all three of the top three producers of all time are Kanye West. <laughs> that's another get pod, man. Bring up like Kanye versus Pharrell slash the Neptunes, like Jay Dilla, Dre. Those are like that'd be a really fun pod, you know, Mad Lib. Doom was making these beats. Um, my favorite beat of all time is Freddie Yo Kim, who made the waves Joey Badass beat. Oh, that's a good song. 1999 is one of the best yeah. albums. Waves, I think, is literally the most perfect rap song ever. That's just pure hip hop. Yeah, I, I feel like very strongly that a like straight rap song is like really maybe ever gonna beat that. J. Cole, False Prophets killed that beat too. He dissed Kanye on that song, though. Yeah, he Which did. I'm surprised made as little waves as it did. Like, I'm sure they don't like each other, but I guess J. Cole is so out of it, and Kanye just gives himself so many enemies that yeah, just, like, that one blew by. Uh, what was I going to tell you? Oh, you're talking about Wayne on Monster. Do you know the song Martians vs. Goblins? No. But it's a Martians, game. It's... I'm guessing Lil Wayne. Yeah. No, Goblins is Lil Wayne. Martians is Tower the Creator. So it's a game oh. song off the Red Album, which came out in 2011, same year as Goblin. So it's like horrorcore Tyler, like going against, you know, Lil Wayne, because, you know, what's a goon to a goblin? And oh. then, like, game facilitates because game is just like a menace. <laughs> well, I was thinking. Game, game is like Draymond and Marcus Smart of rap. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking. I love him. Martian would be Wayne because, like, like I'm not a human being. Oh no, you're right. We I'm, are not the same. I'm a dumbass. I, I literally just said, yeah, the album Goblin came out. <laughs> I totally transposed my shit. I like stand both of those guys. Excuse me. I've never listened to Tyler like that, but when I have, I like game too. Game. We were talking about best producers, and I'll leave it on this because we don't need to have. Yeah, we don't like, need twenty a minutes half hour lost onto the pod of rap talk. But my favorite individual produced album, like, you know how Kanye produced Daytona? Yeah. In those seven song albums. My favorite anything like that is the documentary by game, like being exec and fully produced by Dr. Dre. I think Dr. Dre is a top five producer. Nobody's ever going to come for that take. And I think that's his best production work ever. Documentary. I've never listened to it, but I'll take your word. It's one of the best debut albums ever. Game 
game came out five times platinum on his debut record. Damn. Aftermath and Interscope were monsters. Him and 50 Cent were two of the biggest rappers alive at the same time on that same um, label. Yeah. Okay, so my answer, Kendrick, Break the Bank, originally a Schoolboy Q song, 2014. Uh, my answer, Lil Wayne on Monster or Kendrick Lamar on Devil in a New Dress. If I had to choose one, I don't know, so I'm not going to tell you. I want both. Okay. Well, if you get two, then my other answer is just going to be No One New, but four more verses on Say What's Up by J-Rock. That... That's peak. Any song with four or more rappers, I think that's the best one. So just give me that again. Add four verses without adding a rapper. That's not really the same thing, but it's not different. <laughs> Who cares? This is our pod. It's our pod. We make the rules. Uh, all right. We out of here? Yep. See you guys. All right. Thank, Thank you all so much. much.